Good morning and welcome to today's PSA programming here on KNCI. KZZO, KYMX, and KHCK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guest is David Bain, Executive Director of NAMI Sacramento. He's here to discuss CalHOPE, a statewide effort that offers behavioral health crisis counseling. He'll also give us tips on how to manage stress and anxiety. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Hi, my name is David Bain, and I'm the Executive Director for NAMI Sacramento. Uh, we're the local affiliate for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And are you partnering with CalHOPE? We are. Uh, we're working with CalHOPE throughout the state through the auspices of NAMI California, and then local affiliates throughout the state are partnering with CalHOPE. Great. So could you tell me a little bit about CalHOPE? What is it? It's a statewide effort that offers behavioral health crisis counseling programs to communities in need, and it's run by the California Department of Healthcare Services. And why do you think it's important to talk about mental health? It's important, one, to normalize mental health. You know, we've, we've stigmatized it for so long where people have been afraid to ask for help. And if you're not reaching out, you're not going to get better right. and get that information to find out what it is you can do to get yourself healthy and into recovery again. Uh, so the more we talk about that, the more we normalize that, make it like any other physical health condition. We should be able to be able to get resources and assistance no matter what's going on with our bodies. Would you say mental health is just as important as physical health? Uh, yes, and it should be. There should be a parity of services, which isn't doesn't quite exist, but we're trying to get there. Trying to get it there, and so your mental health is probably even more important than physical health. Now, what are some of the things we can all do to manage stress? Uh, well, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the news, so it's okay to give yourself a break from that. It's best to maintain contact with family, friends, or others who support you via phone, text, or email. If you have a health care provider, call that health care provider if your anxiety interferes with your daily activities. It's best to treat your body nicely to impact your head health, uh, so eat healthy foods, avoid excessive alcohol, and exercise as you're able. Now, what all does CalHOPE offer? Uh, it offers a warm handoff for treatment services. Uh, it also does crisis counseling via chat, phone, virtual, and in-person focused on high-risk communities. It has a warm line, and the website has links to resources, including uh, apps to help people with anxiety. And they have a lot of messaging as far as reducing the stigma around mental health and, and helping people with their st- uh, anxiety and uh, depression. Oh, I love that. When we are faced with things that cause stress and anxiety, any suggestions on how to deal with these? Immediately, one of the things to do is to breathe. Take deep belly breaths and, and, and try to breathe out that stress and anxiety. Uh, if you're focusing on something in particular on the television, turn that off. The news uh, gets a lot of people wound up. And so if they can separate themselves from that, that helps. Reach out to someone, you know, communicate with someone who can understand what it is you're going through. You know, it's okay to not be okay. And stress and anxiety and depression are not uncommon to deal with. And they can lead to serious health problems if we don't ask for help. Now, tell us more about the mental health resources available through CalHOPE. Uh, One of those resources available is called The Playbook. It's full of stress management tips. It's free to download at calhope.org, and it's available in multiple languages. Also, uh, CalHOPE can connect you with a telephone warm line answered by people who have lived through stressful situations and persevered. And that's available 24-7 to talk and connect with people with more resources. 
the warm line number is one eight three 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 one seven four six seven three. And we've also launched a live chat feature available at calhope.org. Great. Now let's talk a little more about NAMI Sacramento. What programs and services do you offer the community? So what we have here at NAMI Sacramento is we do support groups uh, for both people living with mental health issues and for family members of those living with mental health issues. And the support groups are 90 minutes long and are facilitated by people who have been trained to run support groups. And they are people with lived experience. So they themselves have had their own mental health issues or are family members themselves. Uh, We also offer classes. We have a class called Family to Family and a class called Peer to Peer. And these are eight-week-long classes, one night a week for eight weeks. And they offer more information. They get more in-depth as far as uh, how to best uh, learn about the different mental health conditions that are out there, available treatments, and uh, how to best work with people to uh, get healthy and get into recovery. And then we also provide a lot of presentations to the community uh, on various topics, uh, depending upon what the audience is looking for. Basically, the idea is to provide information and also to reduce the stigma around mental illness. Now, if someone wanted more information on NAMI Sacramento, where could they go? Oh, we have a website. It's at namisacramento.org. And so they can go there and find out lots of information there about our programs and services. And you can also call 916-890-5467 and talk to someone. And they offer uh, help and information, not only about our programs, but also about other programs in the region. Oh, fantastic. Now, if they want more information about what we just talked about, CalHOPE, where can they go? Best to visit calhope.org or call 1-833-317-4673 and talk to someone there. Great. Thank you. That was David Bain with CalHOPE. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit calhope.org. That's calhope.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guests are Derek Compton and Matt Stumpf with the Sacramento Active 2030 Club. They're here to discuss what the club is all about, how you can join, and their upcoming spring fundraiser, Party Carlo. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourselves and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Derek Compton. I uh, work for the state of California. I joined the Active 2030 Club back in 2008. I've uh, run many events within the organization in that time, and I've run this spring party style event one other time back in 2011. This is the second version, definitely a different variation of the event that we're going to be doing. And we can't wait to hear more about that. So what about you, Matt? And I'm Matt Stumpf, and I've been a member of the Active 2030 Club since 2006. Uh, Like Derek, I also have been involved in many of our club's fundraisers. Now, for those who might not know, what is the Active 2030 Club? What's, What's your mission? The mission of the Active 2030 Club is to provide young adults an opportunity for, uh, for personal growth, friendships, professional development, and leadership development while we improve the quality of life for children with special needs in our community. And what's the history of the club? Yeah, the club was actually founded 100 years ago here in Sacramento. Oh, wow. uh, we just celebrated our 100-year anniversary And it was founded here um, by a gentleman named Paul Claiborne, who was in his 20s looking for a social group, networking group. And 
decided there really wasn't anything that was focused on young professionals in their 20s and 30s. And and that is where that's where the club started and was created. It's now an international organizations with clubs throughout South America, clubs in Europe, clubs in Canada, and also all throughout the United States. Now, I know you started as a men's club, and I believe you still are, but is there a women's chapter? There is, and, and you're right. Our club, for example, the Sacramento Number 1 Club, is, is all men. Uh, and here in Sacramento, there is another club called the Sacramento um, 1032 Club, and they are all uh, women in their 20s and 30s. Now, what made you want to get involved in the Active 2030 Club? Well, I had... Um... Some friends that were in the club, when I learned about it, I had been to a spring party event and had a blast. And, you know, I I learned about some of the uh, philanthropic stuff that the organization did for the local kids in the community. And that was something that was really important to me. I was able to uh, come to a couple of meetings, kind of saw what they did and the fun that they had. and, uh, And I was able to kind of talk to a lot of the guys there. I was invited to go to one of their uh, benevolent events, which was the holiday party for children with cancer at the UC Davis Cancer Center. And they um, you know, they basically bring the kids that are up in the, the tower down and they get to visit with the, uh, with the members. We've collected gifts. We have Santa there. He gives them he gives them gifts and uh, books, and we had some, like stuffed animals and things like that. And then the thing that really kind of locked me in was at the end of the night, uh, as a prospective member, I was invited to escort Santa up into the tower to see the kids. That sorry, I get a little choked up sometimes with this, mm-hmm. but uh, get to visit the kids that don't have uh, the opportunity to come down and see Santa Claus that are too sick or, you know, too immunocompromised or things like that. And, and you get to deliver those gifts and see the the look in those kids' eyes and, and how that, that, that affects them. And um, that, that just like automatically, I was like, I'm, I'm joining. What's interesting is uh, for me, my reasons were actually very different. Um, not that all of the benevolence isn't wonderful, but from the outside looking in, it actually wasn't, I didn't even know that that was a portion of being in the club. Uh, I joined strictly for networking and and to try to just become more well-versed within Sacramento. And uh, and it was, and, and the outcome, of course, is the benevolence um, and the, some of the benefits of being in the club is the amazing things we do, but but not to also be overlooked by by the amazing friendships. And when you have people that are like-minded in a similar age uh, bracket, uh, it's, it's really awesome to come together with, with people that are all volunteering their time and that you, that you create this bond with. And fortunately for me, and I, I don't think me speaking for other people that have been in our club, uh, you really create some lifelong friendships and some of your best friends um, from being a member of the Active 2030 Club. Yeah. Now, I know you've already made some great points that pretty much answer this question, but what would you say to someone who is considering joining? Why should they join? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the friendships is, is fantastic. The, the networking 
we don't necessarily do we don't look to do business with each other um but but at the end of the day everyone likes to do business with people they like and mm-hmm. people that are their friends so that's a nice byproduct of being a member is that you look to who's in your network within the club when it comes to doing to doing business yeah. um as Derek also mentioned, you know, the benevolence is wonderful. Uh, the feeling of giving back, uh, the feeling of helping children in our community that are, that either have special needs or are, um, uh, are, are from lower income areas. And to be able to give them um, the opportunities to do things and have things that they might not ever have uh, without the Active 2030 Club is really, it's really fulfilling. Now, where can listeners get more information on how to join? Uh, the SAC, uh, the, our, our website, SAC2030.org, would be uh, the best place to start. And we, uh, we have our event calendars on there as well, as well as uh, more information about how we give back to the community, as well as how you could become a member of the club or find out more information about other clubs uh, in the community. Now, tell me about some of the events or programs you do throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we do these fundraisers like we're doing with Party Carlo coming up to to help support the benevolent events that we do. And so some of the fundraisers that we do are events like Party Carlo, uh, Cornhole Tournament. We have a golf tournament. Uh, Matt and I actually uh, started just uh, two years ago uh, an event called Suit Up and Deal. It's just a, a very specific poker tournament um to be able to uh not to interrupt you derek that's that's the award-winning international award-winning suit up and deal (laughs) that's right that's right i apologize we received a a, an award at international and national convention for this event because we uh it was an innovative uh creation uh that we brought forth to the organization and so uh yes i do apologize internationally award-winning up and deal <laughs> and uh, um, the uh, the events that we do that are served by these fundraisers are events like uh, the shopping spree events like um, our our holiday our picnic with special needs children and their families we bring children with disabilities uh, we've done it at fairytale town for many many years uh, we have traditionally closed down the park and they've come in kind of had a a day free from judgment uh, along with kids uh, that have other disabilities and they they just get to kind of have a day to themselves and get to have activities and food and fun and just get to kind of be free of kind of the stress and stuff that that is the day-to-day stuff. We have the, the, as I mentioned before, the holiday party at UC Davis for the children with cancer. Um, And then we do something called Projects and Charities, where we actually give money to organizations that request it from us uh, who are in need. We worked with the SAC Republic for a couple of years now, serving the Robles School District, who we learned have a high high rate of homelessness within their school district, which is, you know, unbelievable to to think about. And, And so being able to provide them coats and things like that during the winter season is really important. So we supported them during that. Uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, Roberts Family Development Center in South Sacramento, where Daryl Roberts and his crew do a lot of excellent work helping the children, uh, you know, the disadvantaged youth in that community to be able to kind of rise up and and do better and stay in school and 
kind of uh, look to go to college and achieve. So we do a lot of great things with the money that we raise at these events. And, you know, this, this, you know, the shopping spree is just one of those things. Now, you have an event coming up, the Party Carlo. What is this all about? What can people expect? Party Carlo is going to be on Friday, April 21st. It's going to be held at the Sacopolis Library Galleria in downtown Sacramento. Uh, We are holding a Monte Carlo style party. So um, all people in attendance can be expecting um, there's live music by Adam Aldama and the Aces. They're an amazing party band. Um, We'll also have DJ music going as well. Uh, We'll have uh, Las Vegas style gaming and all in attendance will be getting funny money to be playing those games with. Uh, We'll have a fully hosted bar, uh, also heavy appetizers that are all inclusive of your ticket price. We've got photo booths too, you know, a lot of fun stuff to kind of participate in. You don't have to come to play table games and and gamble. You can come for the concert. You can come for the hanging out. You can come for the great food or the drink or, you know, we've got so many different things to offer. Great. Sounds like fun. Now, where can listeners get their ticket and how much are tickets? Yeah, so so there's two levels of tickets. So we've got a general admission ticket that's $180 uh, that you can get at PartyCarlo.com, uh, and it'll take you all the way through. It'll tell you about the event, what everything is included with the ticket, and and with the general admission ticket for $180, you're going to get your admission to the event. You're going to get all your food and beverage covered. Uh, you're going to get an entry into the grand prize raffle at the end of the night which is an all-expenses-paid trip to Las Vegas, um, which is, yeah, I mean, a really, we're going to do it kind of a a suitcase-style raffle off at the end of the night where it's going to be really exciting, but it's not going to be like, hey, you got to get on an airplane now after having having fun and being tired, and we're going to send you to Las Vegas. We're going to be able to work with you and kind of plan that trip out a little bit. So um, that'll be cool. And then um, you're going to get some funny money to play the games with and buy additional raffle tickets as you win more funny money if you play the games. Or you can just take that money and spend it on raffle tickets if you don't want to play the games. You can also buy more funny money to buy more raffle tickets if you want to win more money. Um, So we're going to have many opportunities there. Uh, We're also going to have some table raffle items. All of our table raffle items are going to be valued at no less than $500. And so you're going to be able to put, put your tickets into those if you want to enter for any of those items, if you want to, uh, if you want to upgrade your ticket and go to the VIP ticket, you're going to have access to our VIP terrace area, which is going to have private gaming, private viewing. It's going to be up above, kind of around the whole party. There's going to be upgraded appetizers, uh, champagne reception. Uh, we're going to have a dessert bar up there as well. And so it's going to be uh, a definitely a step up. And those tickets are $245. And where can listeners get those tickets and even more information? You have a website for this event, right? We do. Yeah. So our website is PartyCarlo.com. And then we are also on Instagram at PartyCarlo. And you can, uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll get updates. We're, we're posting there all the time. Uh, we're, you know, any, anything that we're doing, any updates to the event, uh, but we're pretty pretty locked in. We're pretty pretty well moving forward with this thing, and we're expecting it to be a sellout pretty quickly, as as already before we've done any sort of media at all. 
tickets are selling pretty fast. Um, oh, so we're really excited about this event. And we're, we're excited to be, be able to do this, and it, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, where can listeners connect with the club? Um, do you mind going over that website one more time? And if you have social media? You can, you can reach the club. Actually, we have a link through PartyCarlo.com. So if you're on that website, you can actually link through to SAC2030.org. Is that SAC, S-A-C, 2030.org. Uh, and that'll take you to the club's website. The club is also on Instagram at SAC2030, at SAC2030 on Instagram as well. I'd encourage anybody and everybody to like and follow. Uh, come to the event. We'll have information at the event itself about how to join. We'll have some, uh, you know, some people there at a table just to talk about what the club is and what we do and what these what these things support. And I think, you know, one of the important things to remember about this particular event is that it is supporting our annual back to school shopping spree where we take children from a disadvantaged community uh, on a shopping spree for supplies that they can get to prepare to go back to school, you know, comfortably, whether it's, you know, warmer clothes to get into the wintertime or whether they need a new backpack, we provide them with that and supplies, you know, uh, composition books and pencils and pens and, you know, uh, pen holders and things like that. We give those to them and then we take them on a shopping spree and allow them to purchase the clothes and the supplies that they might need to, to just feel comfortable, to feel like the other kids, like they think the other kids might feel going into the, you know, the first day of school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the the thing with every ticket purchased is really going to support a child going on a shopping spree. So that's the easiest way for us to see it. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add about either the club or the event, Party Carlo? I, I think the club is, you know, as far as we were talking about, why did we join? Matt mentioned, you know, there's there's so many different reasons from, you know, networking to benevolence to meeting new people and making new friends. Folks will learn if they join the club is that they'll get back far more from the organization than they'll ever be able to give back to the organization. I, I think I can speak for Matt and myself and that as long as both of us have been a member of the organization, you know, as much as we've done even, you know, we've tried and tried and tried and we'll never be able to repay kind of what we've received from the club. And, you know, even Matt and I have become excellent friends you know, because of the organization. And, and I've developed lifelong friendships from this club and, and business relationships and things like that that were all afterthoughts to me initially because I joined to serve the kids. And, you know, the, you'll get you'll get so much back from it if you make the choice to come and check us out. Great. Thank you for being here and doing this. That was Derek Compton and Matt Stumpf with the Sacramento Active 2030 Club. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, go to sac2030.org. That's sac2030.org. Or for tickets to Party Carlo, just go to partycarlo.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guests are Sally Sue Stein, founder and acting executive director, and Dr. Peyton, volunteer at Gold Country Wildlife Rescue, a nonprofit volunteer organization dedicated to the rescue, rehabilitation, and release of injured and orphaned wildlife. They discuss the species they rescue and rehabilitate, their efforts during the wildfires, volunteer opportunities, and the newly established Wildlife Disaster Network. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourselves and provide a little background on what you do? So my name is Jamie Payton. I am a veterinarian at UC Davis. I actually specialize in 
critical care and focused mainly on um, pain management and burn care for animals. So right now I'm leading the team for the Wildlife Disaster Network. I'm Sally Sue Stein. I'm the founder of Gold Country Wildlife Rescue and currently the acting executive director. I'm the person that Dr. Payton calls when she finds another burned animal. And we've been working with her and currently have five of the burned animals in our care at our facility. So Sally Sue, what is Gold Country Wildlife Rescue's mission? Our mission is to take in sick, orphaned, and injured animals, wildlife, this is uh, California native wildlife, Mm -hmm. and rehabilitate it and return it to the wild. Great. We're not a zoo. We're not a sanctuary. Our goal is to give these animals a second chance at life in the wild. So what's the history of your organization? How did you get started? Um, I was rehabbing under some other groups in other counties uh, back in the late 80s and determined that Placer County needed its own facility or its own group and wrote a proposal to Fish and Wildlife back in the day. It was Fish and Game uh, requesting a permit for Placer County and got it. And so then I started the 501c3 named Gold Country Wildlife Rescue to support that permit because obviously there's funds needed for all of this. And we were off and running. And in the beginning, we had a couple hundred animals a year taken care of by people at their homes to where we are now. And we lease Placer County's old animal shelter in Auburn, California. And we we take care of about 3,500 animals a year now. And we're open every day of the year to accept wildlife that needs us. Wow, that's incredible. So what areas do you serve? Well, our permit specifically is for Placer County, but because um, we are one of the few organizations that are open, that have a facility that's open 365 days a year, we actually do get animals from all over Northern California, and we have even taken in some animals for the Nevada Department of Wildlife in a past year when they had a botulism outbreak Mm -hmm. in waterfowl. So we help out anybody who needs us. Got it. What kind of wildlife do you care for? And anything from simply the songbirds you see in your yard at your bird feeders and your bird baths. Um, we get lots of baby songbirds in. They need fed every 20 minutes in the beginning from sunup till sundown. So it's highly intensive labor to take care of those little guys. Mm-hmm. To baby squirrels, opossums hit by cars, bobcats, foxes, coyotes, uh, you name it, we get it. We do not currently have a permit for lions or bears. We have a special permit for the one bear cub we do have in a care now that came from Dr. Payton's new wildlife disaster network. And you had already mentioned that you release all these animals back to the wild. That's the goal, correct? Correct. Now, not all of them make it. Some of them we have to euthanize just because they're so severely injured that we can't save them. Because if we can't release a wild, healthy animal that can fend for itself, we, you know, we can't help them. Right. So there are a few rare exceptions where we get in certain animals and we know that there is a zoo or a sanctuary somewhere looking for that particular animal. So we do place some animals. Uh, We work with Fish and Wildlife to do that. And we also have some ambassador animals that we have educational permits that live with us permanently and we use to take out to schools and to service clubs and fairs and those kinds of things to help educate people about our wildlife. So that's mostly raptors, hawks and owls that um, have that job right now. So could you talk more about working with displaced wildlife from these wildfires? How do you go about that exactly? Um, I think I'll let Dr. Payton address that because she's put together this new network to address that very issue. Yeah, so it's it's been a really interesting um, development over the last several years because we've seen, you know, obviously the increase in severity and frequency of these wildfires. And one of the, the areas that's been really missing in our disaster response is wildlife. 
And, you know, in the past, people have thought, well, they'll get away. They'll be fine if left alone. But things are changing. You know, that, like with climate change, we, we're seeing that this increased amount of land that's burning. These animals don't always get away. And, in fact, a lot of times they are injured. And their injuries can, one, kill them. But also, even when they're injured and they're sitting out there, they succumb to starvation and dehydration and ultimately suffer. Right. And so our goal, we created the, the Wildlife Disaster Network, which is a combination of veterinarians and wildlife biologists, um, as well as our um, rehabilitation groups like Gold Country, that's our founding um, rehabilitation center for these burned animals. And our goal is, is to have the public, um, one, give us a call anytime they see these injured animals from the wildfires. And that's really important because they are on the, you know, the, the front lines, both the first responders, as well as when homeowners and property owners go home and may come across uh, injured wildlife. It's very important that they have some place to call or someone to call. And that's why we've developed our hotline. And so a group of us will then go out and will actually search for these animals and um, find them, bring them um, to centers like Gold Country Wildlife and continue their care. And within a few weeks, get them from, you know, crawling because they're so painful and unable to walk to within just a couple of weeks walking again, literally getting back on their feet and then being able to be released and live a great life. Um, and that's ultimately the goal. So this hotline, that's the Wildlife Disaster Network? It is, yes. Yeah. So the, the hotline, there are currently we have four veterinarians that man the hotline and people from the public, first responders, utility workers, anyone can call um, and basically let us know if they see um, an injured wildlife that is from one of the wildfires. And then we help coordinate um, with our other volunteers and, you know, with the help of, of groups like Gold Country Wildlife Rescue that have been amazing to send volunteers to pick up these animals as well as to be able to house them. And we all work together. And that's why it's truly a network. It's not just one person or one group. It's people from UC Davis and um, California Department of Fish and Wildlife, as well as, you know, our rehab centers like Gold Country Wildlife. We all work together because it really is focusing on the goal to provide care for our wildlife because they are that missing link. And we have to pay attention to their needs. We cannot allow these animals to suffer. Um, that doesn't mean that all of them survive, but we do think that it's very important that we pay attention to this aspect and we pay attention to the wildlife that's in our own backyard and make sure that we ensure the biodiversity and the health of our environment as much as we can by doing this part. So how can people get in touch with the Wildlife Disaster Network? Is there the phone number or a website? Yeah, the best is to call our phone number. It's 1-800-942-6459. And that is the, the Wildlife Disaster Network hotline. And through that number, you'll be able to talk with uh, myself or one of the other veterinarians, and we can help coordinate um, finding the injured animal, as well as finding veterinary care and, and housing. So that's it's all part of a, a bigger picture to really ensure these animals are taken care of. So who cares for the wildlife? Is it just veterinarians or, or is this volunteer-based? What kind of training goes into that? 
that's that's where the network component comes in, right? Because caring for an animal is never just about one group of people. It is it is totally an effort, and that's why, you know, I think you have to look at the different aspects. Because if you see an animal injured in the wild, one, it requires people that understand and, and how to safely capture those animals. So that's often our rehab center volunteers and workers. Um, it can be with California Department of Fish and Wildlife as well as veterinarians. There's usually a combination of people that will go out because it's almost impossible for just one person, especially if we're talking about a large animal like a bear. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a truly a team effort. And then often the initial medical care, especially because burns are really um, very systemic, meaning it affects multiple areas of the body. So you have wounds to the, the feet and face. You can have um, injuries to eyes, injuries to your lungs, your kidneys, your heart. So that's where veterinarians really come into play is being able to look at those animals and design their medical care. But it's not just a one-time thing. These are weeks of care. So that's where we need individuals that really understand how to caretake and and monitor these animals. And that's where people like Sally Sue and her group with Gold Country Wildlife Rescue are vitally important because they provide that daily care. And then as veterinarians, we come in and assess them routinely. So it is all about everyone working together. Not, Not just one person can do it, especially for the burned animals. Sally Sue, is Gold Country currently accepting volunteers? Yes. Um, you can go to our website, and it's goldcountrywildliferescue.org, and there's a tab at the top that says how to help, and one of the options under that drop-down menu is to volunteer. You can sign up online to volunteer and get into training with us. So we do, we do rely heavily on volunteers. We have paid staff, of course, because we can't do it all. We can't be open 365 days a year with just volunteers. Right. And you can learn how to, initially, you won't be caring for animals unless you come in maybe as a vet tech or something like that. But you'll you'll learn all about that in the volunteer orientation and what the options are and what your goals can be as a volunteer. Some people don't want to work with the animals. They're happy to just clean cages and make diets and, you know, clean carriers, that kind of things. But there are some people that really have a burning passion to learn about the husbandry of these animals and the medical care required for these animals. So we try to, you know, fit everyone's needs because we all need to work together as this team that Dr. Payton is talking about is critical to the success of our group just by ourselves on the regular animals we get, but especially with these burned animals from the wildfires, because it's very intensive care that they require. And as she pointed out, no one person can do it by themselves. So do you accept donations? We do. um, And we get no state or federal funding. So we rely heavily on donations. We rely solely on private donations and private grants that we write. That's how we are funded. And our budget this year is close to $500,000 a year. So you can imagine uh, we're always looking for donations. Right. So where can one make a donation? They can make it at our website, make it online. Uh, They can go to Facebook and donate on our Facebook. We have a very active Facebook page. And you can donate right at the top. Um, you, we always are running Facebook fundraisers. We put donate buttons on our posts. We have ones up right now about the burned animals. Um, the nice thing about Facebook is we get 100% of that donation. There are no credit card fees or anything involved in that. Facebook gives us 100%. Do you do any fundraisers throughout the year? <laughs> well, we did until COVID right. struck. 
But we are going to be having a, a run for wildlife in November, a virtual run. So if people want to keep an eye on our Facebook page, we're going to start publicizing that and you can sign up, but it will be for the month of November. And you don't have to be a runner or a walker. It's called a run, but you can do anything. You can knit, you can cook, you can do yoga, whatever you love to do, um, you can sign up and use that to raise funds for our group. Oh, fantastic. So have you announced that information yet or is that coming out soon? That's coming out. Yeah, we haven't announced it yet. It'll be announced any day now. So how has the pandemic affected your organization? It's affected us mostly in uh, the lack of volunteers. So when COVID first struck, we did suspend our volunteer program out of an uh, utmost caution for our volunteers, our staff, until we all figured out what this was about. And then we um, welcomed the volunteers back and we practiced all the recommended protocols for, you know, everybody's mask that comes into our facility. There's hand sanitizer. We are constantly sanitizing everything. Um, But we found that a lot of our volunteers did not return. And the reason for that is a lot of them are older. They're retired folks. And so they're at that, you know, they're in the dangerous age group for COVID complicate, you know, for more complications should they contract COVID. Uh, So that's been a tough one. And even the interns that we get from schools, uh, we saw a huge drop off because the schools initially were telling um, their interns don't go out and, you know, do anything yet till we figure this out. And the way that's hit us is we were then forced to hire more paid staff to do all the things that the volunteers normally did. So it hit our bottom line and we didn't budget for that for this year. So that's a surprise. And we've done a, a lot more online fundraising to try to offset that. So lastly, let's wrap up with if someone were to come across injured wildlife, what are the steps they should take? Uh, just generally, if it's not a, if it's a burned animal, they need to call the Wildlife Disaster Network that Dr. Payton just spoke about with that phone number. Um, if it's any other wildlife, uh, they need to really assess the situation and determine, does that animal need help? And they can go to our website and learn about that. It says what, you know, there's a page that tells you what to do if you find wildlife, because often people find wildlife that really doesn't need help, Mm -hmm. Um, especially fawns, for instance, in the spring. The moms leave them alone after they've fed them. They bed them down and they'll go off and browse and eat for four to six hours and come back and nurse and leave again. And people find this baby alone and they think it needs rescued and it really doesn't what they, they end up kidnapping it instead. So it's kind of species specific, what you need to do. Um, If it's a bird that ran into your window, you know, we ask you to put it someplace safe and give it some time to recover. But if it doesn't, that kind of an animal can be brought into us. If it's a cat caught bird, we always ask people to bring us cat caught birds because we have a protocol of so many days of antibiotics because you may not see a puncture wound. The animal, the bird may look fine. It may even be able to fly. But there could be just one tooth that, you know, punctures that bird and it's going to present infection and and ultimately kill the bird. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things. If it's a bigger animal, then we ask that you call us. Our phone number is 530-885-0862. And it's a phone tree. So it'll say if you have an issue with a mammal, press this number. If it's a raptor, press this mammal. And then that's manned by volunteers. So we ask people to be patient because our volunteers will call you back. Those lines do get texted out to volunteers to return calls. And then that volunteer who's trained on that specific species of bird, be it raptors or mammals or whatever, waterfowl, they'll walk you through what you need to determine if the animal actually needs rescued, if you can bring it in safely to us, or if we need to find volunteers to go out and help capture that animal. So you mentioned the phone number. What are other ways listeners can connect with Gold Country? Facebook, Instagram, 
and our website are the main ways to connect with us. And is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, if you want to write a check, our post office box is 4162 Auburn, California, 95604. I encourage everyone to support Gold Country Wildlife Rescue because they are working really hard to be able to care for these animals, and they are a lot of work. Um, in addition, that if anyone is interested in supporting the, the network as a whole, um, it is through UC Davis. So you can actually go to the UC Davis um, giving page, and there's a California Conservation Fund, and you can donate online or actually call the Office of Advancement for UC Davis. Um, and all that money goes towards helping um, any wildlife with um, care and facilitating all the veterinary care as well, um, especially during these crazy times with all the wildfires this year. So we would appreciate it. Great. Thank you. That was Sally Sue Stein, founder and executive director, and Dr. Peyton, volunteer at Gold Country Wildlife Rescue. If you would like more information on the organization, visit them at goldcountrywildliferescue.org. That's goldcountrywildliferescue.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Julio Martinez, executive director with the ScholarShare Investment Board. He's here to discuss California's higher education savings program called ScholarShare 529 and their new CalKids program for low-income families. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Julio Martinez, and I'm the executive director of the ScholarShare Investment Board, which oversees California's 529 college savings plan. Okay, so what is the ScholarShare 529 program, and what's your role with it? So as director of, uh, executive director of this uh, program, my job is to serve a board, which overall oversees the state's 529 college savings plan, which is a tax-efficient savings vehicle designed specifically to help families save for future educational expenses. So the name, the number 529 comes from the Internal Revenue Code, and a 529 plan is almost like uh, you can consider it the cousin of the 401k plan. So it's an investment vehicle, and like I mentioned, it's specifically designed to help people save for, for college uh, or other educational expenses in the future. Hmm. To be honest with you, I didn't even know a program like this existed. So what are the advantages of the ScholarShare 529 account? So the advantages of a 529 plan are primarily the tax benefits. However, it's got a number of other benefits that I think families will find appealing. So the first one is that earnings that accumulate in a 529 college savings account are actually tax-free, both at the state and federal level, when you actually uh, withdraw them and use them for their intended purpose. And the intended purposes really are paying for things like tuition, fees, books, computer, and other required equipment for for your educational pursuits, and some room and board. And so uh, that's what makes our vehicle a little different in that when you consider the tax savings and the flexibility with some of these vehicles is that families can end up with a lot more savings in the long run compared to a traditional savings account. Oh, wow. Now, is this a national program or just California-based? California has a plan, which is ScholarShare 529, but every state uh, has one in the country. And, uh, you know, people can uh, shop around and uh, look around, but California has ScholarShare 529. It's been around since 1999. And, uh, you know, we have now grown to nearly $12 billion in assets and have over, uh, you know, just under 400,000 accounts. And so we've been around for about 23 years and serving California families since then. Wow, that's great. So who can open an account? To open an account, ScholarShare 529, it's pretty much anybody who uh, is, first of all, you know, when you open an account, you need a, an account owner and an account beneficiary, right? So 
Typically, the account owner is the parent, uh, but it can also be uh, a relative. It can be a friend. It can be a grandparent. And the beneficiary typically is a student uh, or the young person whom you want to save money for. So, But to open an account, all you need is really a Social Security number uh, or federal tax ID number and you know, for both the account owner and the beneficiary. And to open an account, all you really need is about $1, just minimum to open the account. And mind you, there's no requirements of how much you should save. And we ask families to just save as much as they can, when they can. Uh, but it really just takes about 15 minutes to open the account, and it's really, really super easy and quick. Oh, good. So what can the 529 money be spent on? I think you already touched on that a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind going in, into more detail. Sure. Since I mentioned that there's tax benefits associated with these accounts, uh, they're really designed for higher education expenses, uh, and those include tuition, fees, uh, required equipment like computer, internet, uh, those kind of items, but also room and board. And so it's really what, what typically includes, you know, just the cost of, of going to college or pursuing uh, any form of future kind of uh, educational, higher education expenses. And that includes also, you know, education at technical schools, you know, um, also, you know, apprenticeship programs. And so it's really kind of broad, but so long as that they're considered an eligible institution, uh, the families can use uh, those monies for those purposes at those institutions. Now, how can someone contribute to the ScholarShare 529 account? That's what makes the ScholarShare 529, I think, uh, kind of the, 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 uh, the best, what I consider the best uh, vehicle for saving for higher education. As you know, the cost of higher education continue to skyrocket year after year. And so, Families can contribute. So if you're an account owner, families can contribute to an account, typically through, you know, a checking account or savings account. Uh, but also, you know, if your employer allows it, and a lot of employers in California allow it, you can actually do it through payroll deduction. But also, we have a really neat feature that's called UGIFT. And with UGIFT, we allow families to essentially you share a link with their family and friends and neighbors for your child's account, and they can contribute to that account as well. So you know, when the holidays come around or when a birthday or a graduation comes around, instead of saying, hey, listen, uh, instead of buying my child an expensive gift, maybe perhaps get him a smaller gift, but contribute to his or her uh, college savings account and really, uh, you know, help that person out because, you know, higher education is expensive and sometimes it takes, you know, a village to kind of help that person get through. And so we developed this one, you know, you gift feature that can help families, you know, raise or, or have, you know, more contributions made to the child's account. Sure. I, I love that. If you have a 529 account, can you also use other financial aid resources like scholarships, grants? Absolutely. So, you know, the one thing about financial aid that gets past people is that it's not, when you think of financial aid, not everything is a grant. A lot of times, and I think most of the time, a financial aid package includes not only grants, but also student loans yeah. in there. And so what's missing a lot of times in, in our family discussions is really the uh, the family contribution part of this, which sometimes can be financed, you know, with, uh, with, with you know, just the family budgets. But sometimes it takes some planning. And so we encourage families to save as much as they can because there will be an estimated family contribution as part of the financial aid package. And what a 529 plan like Scholarship 529 does, it helps families kind of just save as much as they can when they can. So when the child is ready to go to college, they have the ability to kind of make that contribution without it causing a lot of inconvenience or pain, right? And so that's why we encourage families to think of a financial aid package to include savings as well. And how can families open a ScholarShare 529 account? To open an account, it's really easy. You just go on our website, which is scholarshare529.com. And on there, uh, really, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to open the account. We just ask families to kind of come prepared a little bit to kind of 
have their checking or savings account information or their payroll deduction information if they want to do through payroll. And really just have to make sure that you have the information for the child and the account owner, which is usually the parent or the person opening the account. And as I mentioned before, really you need a social security number or federal tax ID number, and that's all you need to open the account. Does ScholarShare offer any programs to help low-income families? Yes, ScholarShare 529 recently launched a program, a statewide program called CalKids. And CalKids is a program that offers low-income families who have children in public schools in first through 12th grade a minimum of $500. And if those children happen to also be uh, foster youth or homeless, they will get an additional $500. And that's a grant of up to $1,500 for each student. Wow. So that's one element of it. The other element is that every newborn in California, uh, beginning July 1st of 2020, this past July, every newborn will be eligible for up to $100 in a CalKids account. So CalKids, like I mentioned before, it's a new program that, that ScholarShare 529 is running. And to learn more about that program and whether or not you are eligible, we encourage families to visit our website, calkids.org, O-R-G. Now, if they want more information on ScholarShare 529, where could they go? Yes, so to learn more about ScholarShare 529 and its various programs that we offer, we ask families to visit ScholarShare529.com. Great. Thank you. That was Julio Martinez, Executive Director of the ScholarShare Investment Board. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit ScholarShare529.com. That's ScholarShare, the numbers, 529.com. If you have questions regarding this program... Please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Julio Martinez, Executive Director with the ScholarShare Investment Board. He's here to discuss California's higher education savings program called ScholarShare 529 and their new CalKids program for low-income families. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Julio Martinez, and I'm the Executive Director of the ScholarShare Investment Board, which oversees California's 529 college savings plan. Okay, so what is the ScholarShare 529 program, and what's your role with it? So as director of, uh, executive director of this uh, program, my job is to serve a board, which overall oversees the state's 529 College Savings Plan, which is a tax-efficient savings vehicle designed specifically to help families save for future educational expenses. So the, name, the number 529 comes from the Internal Revenue Code, and a 529 plan is almost like uh, you can consider it the cousin of the 401k plan. So it's an investment vehicle. And like I mentioned, it's specifically designed to help people save for for college uh, or other educational expenses in the future. Hmm. To be honest with you, I didn't even know a program like this existed. So what are the advantages of the ScholarShare 529 account? So the advantages of a 529 plan are primarily the tax benefits. However, it's got a number of other benefits that I think families will find appealing. So the first one is that earnings that accumulate in a 529 college savings account are actually tax-free, both at the state and federal level, when you actually uh, withdraw them and use them for their intended purpose. And the intended purposes really are paying for things like tuition, fees, books, computer, and other required equipment for, for your educational pursuits, and some room and board. And so uh, that's what makes our vehicle a little different in that when you consider the tax savings and the flexibility with some of these vehicles is that families can end up with a lot more savings in the long run compared to a traditional savings account. Oh, wow. Now, is this a national program or just California-based? California has a plan, which is ScholarShare 529, but every state uh, has one in the country. And, uh, you know, people can uh, shop around and uh, look around, but California 
has scholarship for 59. It's been around since 1999. And, uh, you know, we have now grown to nearly $12 billion in assets and have over, uh, you know, just under 400,000 accounts. And so we've been around for about 23 years and serving California families since then. Wow, that's great. So who can open an account? To open an account, Scholarship 59, it's pretty much anybody who uh, is, first of all, you know, when you open an account, you need a an account owner and an account beneficiary, right? So typically the account owner is the parent, uh, but it can also be uh, a relative. It can be a friend. It can be a grandparent. And the beneficiary typically is a student uh, or the young person whom you want to save money for. So, but to open an account, all you need is really a social security number uh, or federal tax ID number. And, you know, for both the account owner and the beneficiary and to open an account, all you really need is about $1, just minimum to open the account. And mind you, there's no requirements of how much you should save. And we ask families just to save as much as they can when they can. Uh, but it really just takes about 15 minutes to open the account. And it's really, really super easy and quick. Oh, good. So what can the 529 money be spent on? I think you already touched on that a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind going into more detail. Sure. Since I mentioned that there's tax benefits associated with these accounts, uh, they're really designed for higher education expenses, uh, and those include tuition, fees, uh, required equipment like computer, internet, uh, those kind of items, but also room and board. And so it's really what what typically includes, you know, just the cost of, of going to college or pursuing uh, any form of future kind of uh, educational, higher education expenses. And that includes also, you know, education at technical schools, you know, um, also, you know, apprenticeship programs. And so it's really kind of broad, but so long as that they're considered an eligible institution, uh, the families can use uh, those monies for those purposes at those institutions. Now, how can someone contribute to the ScholarShare 529 account? That's what makes uh, Scholarship 529, I think, uh, kind of the, 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 uh, the best, what I consider the best uh, vehicle for saving for higher education. As you know, the cost of higher education continue to skyrocket year after year. And so families can contribute. So if you're an account owner, families can contribute to an account, typically through, you know, a checking account or savings account. Uh, but also, you know, if your employer allows it, and a lot of employers in California allow it, you can actually do it through payroll deduction. But also, we have a really neat feature that's called UGIFT. And with UGIFT, we allow families to essentially you know, share a link with their family and friends and neighbors for your child's account, and they can contribute to that account as well. So, you know, when the holidays come around or when a birthday or a graduation comes around, instead of saying, hey, listen, uh, instead of buying my child an expensive gift, maybe perhaps get them a smaller gift, but contribute to his or her uh, college savings account and really, uh, you know, help that person out because, you know, higher education is expensive and sometimes it takes, you know, a village to kind of help that person get through. And so we developed this one, you know, you get feature that can help families, you know, raise or, or have, you know, more contributions made to the child's account. Sure. I, I love that. If you have a 529 account, can you also use other financial aid resources like scholarships, grants? Absolutely. So, you know, the one thing about financial aid that gets past people is that it's not, when you think of financial aid, not everything is a grant. A lot of times, and I think most of the time, a financial aid package includes not only grants, but also student loans yeah. in there. And so what's missing a lot of times in, in our family discussions is really the uh, the family contribution part of this, which sometimes can be financed, you know, with, uh, with, with you know, just the family budgets, but sometimes it takes some planning. And so we encourage families to save as much as they can, because there will be an estimated family contribution as part of the financial aid package. And what a 529 plan like Scholarship 529 does, it helps families kind of just save as much as they can when they can. So when the child is ready to go to college, 
they have the ability to kind of make that contribution without it causing a lot of inconvenience or pain, right? And so that's why we encourage families to think of a financial aid package to include savings as well. And how can families open a ScholarShare 529 account? To open an account, it's really easy. You just go on our website, which is ScholarShare529.com. And on there, uh, really, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to open the account. We just ask families to kind of come prepared a little bit to kind of have their checking or savings account information or their payroll deduction information if they want to do through payroll. And really just have make sure that you have the information for the child and the account owner, which is usually the parent or the person opening the account. And as I mentioned before, really, you need a Social Security number or federal tax ID number, and that's all you need to open the account. Does ScholarShare offer any programs to help low-income families? Yes, ScholarShare 529 recently launched a program, a statewide program called CalKids. And CalKids is a program that offers low-income families who have children in public schools in first through 12th grade a minimum of $500. And if those children happen to also be uh, foster youth or homeless, they will get an additional $500. And that's a grant of up to $1,500 for for each student. So that's one element of it. The other element is that every newborn in California, uh, beginning July 1st of 2020, this past July, every newborn will be eligible for up to $100 in a CalKids account. So CalKids, like I mentioned before, it's a new program that that ScholarShare 529 is running. And to learn more about that program and whether or not you are eligible, we encourage families to visit our website, calkids.org, O-R-G. Now, if they want more information on ScholarShare 529, where could they go? Yes, so to learn more about ScholarShare 529 and its various programs that we offer, we ask families to visit ScholarShare529.com. Great. Thank you. That was Julio Martinez, Executive Director of the ScholarShare Investment Board. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit ScholarShare529.com. That's ScholarShare, the numbers, 529.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. That could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You could kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 
180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.